You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers got their asses kicked by the Michigan Wolverines at home at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, a final score of 80-62, to as, you know, it was an Indiana team that, you know, was, I think, predictably sluggish coming out of that, uh, of that Purdue game, uh, but just was never able to get it going. Uh, at all during the game, and you combine that with a Michigan team that was desperate to get a big win uh, and has been playing a little bit better and really came out focused on both ends of the court, and you got what you got today, which was just a, a really disappointing performance by Indiana uh, and a decisive win by Michigan. It drops Indiana to 14-5 and overall, 5-4 and in conference play. Uh, and we're going to talk about it on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Jay Horry and Rick Bozich, both making their first appearances on the Post Game Show. Uh, so great to have you guys. But let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And, you know, there, it's always hard to pick a banner moment on a game uh, like today. And so I'm going to go, I guess, a little bit ironic in a sense. I'm actually going to go with toward the end of the game, Parker Stewart coming back in and hitting three three-pointers, two of them off of nice little sets that Indiana ran for him. And the reason why I'm choosing this as the banner moment is because I am hopeful that Indiana maybe learns something from this and maybe learns something from the first half when one play was run to get Miller Cop an open shot, he made it. Because what we saw today is, once again, Indiana's starting unit really falling behind at the start of the first half, at the start of the second half. They couldn't do anything. And that lineup has clear defensive deficiencies, which we've talked about all season. And part of the way that they're going to have to compensate for that is Parker Stewart and Miller Cop are on the court to make shots and score points. But too often, it feels like they are afterthoughts in an offense that is, you know, Xavier Johnson, go, 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 playing at a different speed, really, than the other four guys on the court and trying everything they can to force it into Trace Jackson Davis. But that is not working. But when Indiana has run sets for those two guys, it feels like they have come through and made shots. And so that is the banner moment because I think, you know, in, in, in unless Mike Woodson decides to change that lineup, which it seems like he has no interest in doing, they're going to have to get more out of Miller Cop and Parker Stewart. And in the briefest of spurts, we saw it today, clearly not enough, you know, on a day when everything went wrong. But maybe if we can learn something from what happened there at the end and run some more sets for Parker when we're not desperate to get three-pointers up, maybe that will help that unit play a little bit better at the start of games. Because while Indiana was able to overcome the poor starts against Purdue, they absolutely set the tone for each half today, uh, which was dominance by Michigan. All right, our banner moment today, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you surely know by now, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly, 
What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, We will start with Rick Bozich. Rick, what should we call your segment? Should this be Rick's rant? Uh, should this be, you know, live takeaways, you know, kind of a takeoff on the inside the hall post? I'm not, I'm not really sure. You just take it in whatever direction you want. Well, I guess the first thing I'm going to say is um, that looked like the Michigan team that everybody expected at the beginning of the year. People forget they were ranked fifth nationally in the preseason poll because they got talented guys and they were talented guys that Indiana could not guard today. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't guard them on the pick and roll. Uh, they couldn't guard them when they went downhill. And they certainly couldn't guard him from the three-point line. I mean, and when they came out and making all those threes, a number of different players, I thought that really shook Indiana's confidence. Uh, and when it really showed up to me was the beginning of the second half. Indiana came out and scored on its first possession. I think they cut it to six, uh, and they scored in the second possession. But Michigan scored on its first six possessions of the second half. And if you're not going to get – any stops, you got no chance to sort of, they they never got it closer to six. And it seemed like for most of the game, the margin was 16. The final margin was the biggest margin of the game, I think 18. Uh, But it was, uh, it was, it was the worst they played defensively all year. And, uh, you know, give credit to Michigan. They've got some good players. Those two freshmen, Houston just kept bombing threes. Diakate was tremendous in the beginning of the game around the rim. And Dickinson, you know, was out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's the story of this game. Indiana played really poorly, and there needs to be a reckoning, as we'll give on this show. But Michigan came ready to win a road game today, and Indiana was all too willing to oblige. Uh, okay, let's go over to uh, Jay. Jay, your uh, your mediocre minute here to open us up. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Jared, I told you before I agreed to do this, I would only come on the show if, if you guaranteed an IU win for me, and so... <laughs> Uh, yet, yeah. yet here I am. So uh, thanks for that, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, and I really thought coming into the game, I thought the 330 start would help IU. Um, you know, I was I was worried if um, it was a noon start that they might come out flat. It might be one of those sleepy Sunday crowds. The students show up late. You know, the people traveling in town show up late. They get to the game late. Um, so I thought 330 might help kind of counteract some of that. Um, and I was very wrong. I mean, we got, we, uh, IU came out, got punched in the mouth right away and just really ne- never answered the bell. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how defense travels, defense shows up every day. Defense didn't show up today. Um, you know, just in the, in the first half, there were just so many wide open shots for Michigan. You allowed them to get very comfortable very quickly. And then you're playing down, you're playing from a double digit hole the whole game, basically. And so you're having to force the issue. You're having to try to create stuff. And uh, it just wasn't there. Um, and Michigan just kept, they wouldn't, I mean, you know, there was a few times where, you know, maybe IU cuts it to six and you're like, oh, maybe there's a chance here. Michigan makes another wide open three. So um, it's, a, it's a frustrating loss. Um, it's, it's just a, a, by far the worst performance in the Mike Woodson era for this team. Um, and, you know, you hope, you hope they show up on, on Wednesday and play better um, because there's, there's just not a lot of good to take from today. 
No, you know, and we've heard a lot of talk, you know, we don't lose at home and all this stuff and kind of restoring that pride of always winning at Assembly Hall. And it sure looked good, you know, in the Purdue game. And, and you felt a lot of that there. But this this really seemed like a game where, I mean, the crowd sounded great. You know, it sounded like a feisty Assembly Hall crowd, but they just weren't given anything really to watch today. And, you know, Rick, I think in terms of storylines for this one, I think we've got to start with the battle of the big men down low. Uh, you know, two all Big Ten big men, potential All-American big men in Hunter Dickinson and Trace Jackson Davis. And, you know, coming into the season, obviously Trace, you know, has had a terrific career, was really good as a freshman and a sophomore. But one thing that we saw relatively consistently is when he went up against some of the other, you know, top big men in the Big Ten, they would tend to get the better of him. And today, you know, we saw some of that. Now, you know, I don't know, you know, how Trace is feeling from a physical standpoint after that fall against Nebraska, any of that stuff. But, you know, all we have to go on is what we saw on the court. And if he's out there playing the amount of minutes that he did, which was 33 minutes, you know, you expect him to play at an all Big Ten level. Um, and today, you know, Hunter Dickinson really got the best of him. You know, numbers wise, it wasn't a terrible day for Trace. 17 points, eight boards, two blocks, two steals. But I don't think that really, you know, tells the story. He was inefficient at six for thirteen. Um, he was really out of sorts defensively. You know, Michigan put him in pick and rolls. Hunter Dickinson obviously plays some away from the basket, but inside or outside, it really felt like Hunter could kind of get what he wanted and wasn't bothered uh, by Trace's defense very much. And you know, when Indiana goes up, you know, in these games, the Purdue game being a bit of an anomaly because you got an out-of-his-mind performance from Rob Finnessy and Xavier Johnson played really well. But for the most part, in matchups like this, when it's all Big Ten center against all Big Ten center, our guy needs to be as good or better than theirs to win the game because of how this team is built. And, you know, today for as good as Trace has been this year, I think this was a game where the other guy got the better of him uh, and it kind of set the tone um, in a lot of ways for how the entire game played out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the very first possession, I think Trace came out and used his quickness to get inside and score. Uh, but his advantage is quickness and footwork. Uh, and Dickinson's advantage is size and muscle and bulk. And the size and mu- muscle and bulk won out in terms of Dickinson when he got the ball on the block, was able to score. But then he has that dimension to his to his game that, that Trace doesn't have, is that he can stay out on the perimeter and today uh, make shots. I guess he'd only made six threes all year coming into today but what did he make three or four today it was he he and yeah. houston just couldn't and the other kid that i, I forgot his name was it williams or the, the kid who made yeah terrence williams first half. Yeah. yeah i mean he made everything he threw up so uh dickinson got the best of him i think pretty decisively uh in terms of he did a better job of screening uh, that there were so many possessions where michigan had the ball and they'd run the initial screen, and, and there was nothing there. So then they'd rescreen. If there still was nothing there, they'd run a third screen, and then the third screen, Indiana would break down, and they'd either get a wide open look, or they'd get a roll to the basket for an easy basket. And I give Michigan credit again for being poised and being very deliberate on, on offense in the first half and breaking Indiana down. And and um, you know that that to me was the the key part of the game is Dickinson scoring and his screening ability. Indiana had no answers for either one. Yeah, Jay, your thoughts on the matchup of the All Big Ten big men? Yeah, it's tough. Um, and and when we talk about Trace as an All Big Ten big man, um, when when and especially when we're comparing him to Dickinson or Kofi or Edie, like Trace has given up four inches, five inches to those guys. Um, and so it's tough. I mean, Trace is basically a, a, you know, a five and a four's body. Like 
And so him having to go against those guys is really tough for him because he's given up size. He's given up strength. Um, so he has to try to beat him with quickness. And today, um, just, it just didn't happen. Like, as Rick said, you know, the first possession, Trace makes a great move, gets to the rim, gets a dunk. Um, and then after that, I mean, Michigan's offense ran so well to the point where they were, you know, Dickens could get open looks. He makes the first three that's wide open. And then all of a sudden he's hitting like a step back, long two contested at the end of a shot clock. And at that point, his confidence is just through the roof. And you just feel like everything that Dickinson shoots is going to go in. And so, you know, that part, I don't know that you can put on Trace, but but it's it's just, it's it kind of brings the limitations of Trace kind of into a clearer scope for, for IU basketball fans. Because, you know, you see everything he can do, but then you see him up against a true, a true five, a true seven footer, you know, 280, you know, 290 pound guy. And it's really tough for him. I mean, even, you know, all Trace's great qualities, his athletic ability, his ability to protect the rim, um, his ability to play in the post. But when he's, when he's matched up against those really, really big guys who are very talented and very skilled, it's just a really big ask. I mean, he needs help. And, um, you know, he just, the help wasn't there today. Yeah. Let's talk. I mean, I think, you know, Rick, one of the big storylines that's going to come out of this also is, you know, what I talked about in the opening with the starting lineup. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, once Purdue took that, uh, you know, two point lead late in the game, I think a lot of people were ready to kind of pile on Mike Woodson for some of the decisions that he had made and some of the stagnation of the offense. And Rob Finnessy hits that shot and everything is great. But, you know, actually, you look at how that game started where Indiana comes out sluggish, you know, Purdue's up eight, nine points. It actually wasn't that dissimilar from this game. It's just that the bench came in, Rob Finnessy went nuts, and it changed the whole tenor of the game. Well, as much as we love Rob and appreciate what he did in that Purdue game, you know, him backing that up with a game where he really struggled offensively is very predictable based on his body of work, you know? And so the formula for how Indiana won, outside of the defense, which that should travel, and that wasn't here today. And for Mike Woodson, you know, building this program based on defense, you have to be able to get a better defensive effort. But you know, you're not going to be able to rely on your bench every game to give you that kind of offensive output. And so, you know, what we saw today is Indiana didn't have that lift and there was nothing there to counter the struggles of the starting unit. So, you know, we're 19 games into the season now. This has been a recurring thing. What do you think Indiana should do about this problem? What do you think Mike Woodson will do about this problem? Well, I think they need to make an adjustment in that when you've, the lineup that they have that they start with, you've got really only one guy who can beat people off the dribble and create opportunities for other people. I mean, the skill sets of cop and Parker Stewart are pretty similar. Uh, they're pretty much uh, Stewart more than cop catch and shoot guys. Stewart is almost exclusively a catch and shoot guy. He doesn't really ever do anything off the bounce and it makes it I think easy for the defense to guard Indiana because they know that and they don't have another guy who can help, create easy shots for other other guys. And when they both seem to be out there standing in one wing and the other wing and not enough plays are run to get them open looks, uh, the offense kind of bogs down. I think you have to have two guys on the court who can go north and south, who can handle the ball and who can pass and, and draw defenders and, and set up other people. And I don't know whether that's Galloway or whether that's Finnessy. They would be the two most likely candidates because that's not really ju- – Jordan Geronimo's strength yet at this point either, but 
Um, I think I think it does make Indiana too easy to guard uh, because you know Xavier Johnson is the only guy you have to fear trying to to, to beat you going f- towards the rim. And and as you mentioned, Finnessy gave him that dynamic in in the Purdue game. He he didn't do that today. Jay, what would you do? I mean, it's it's games like today, and and I think a lot of you know the conversations we've had about the various lineups in the past that really kind of um, illustrate how this roster was put together on the fly. I mean, Woodson's been here since April. Um, you know, they he tried to build a roster that was capable of winning Big Ten games in a very short period of time. And uh, when you when you and when you get into a game like today where you get punched in the mouth really early and then you're trying to play catch up all game, I think it becomes very apparent because we have a roster that can get sh- that, or we have we get we have lineups that we can put out there that can make shots with Stewart and Cop. We have lineups that we can put out there that can get stops with Rob and Trey they don't really overlap a lot. And so when we're leading at the end of the game, we can put in that defensive lineup and count on it for the most part to get really, to get put up a really good defensive effort to get stopped, get the ball back. And when we're in the middle of the game where we're struggling to score the ball and we're struggling to get stops, there's, there's not a lot of places to turn because those lineups are, are kind of comprised of different people. So I I've been a you know I've I've been an advocate of the Stewart Cop lineup to start because I I think that teams to start the game really try to t- take trace away from IU's offense and I feel like if teams are going to double trace early you want to have the floor spread with Cop and Stewart but at the same time we're not running plays to get those guys open to start the game too it almost seems like a last resort sometimes when we're running plays to get Stewart and cop looks and, you know, and, and, and I understand the, uh, the, the thought that you want to get trace involved early. You want to get him active early. You want to get him some points, get him some buckets. But at the same time, if you're going to continue to start games slowly and get in holes early and then count on your bench to bring you back, maybe it's time to try to, reevaluate that that calculus and and hope it comes up with a different different answer you know i think woodson knows that it has to be different uh he just doesn't have the personnel to play that he wants because if you look at the way he's recruited uh he's got a point guard coming in next year a bigger point guard in hood shafino uh and then he's got guns really more of a shooter but he, he can attack a little bit but then in the next class which is really the first class they've really had to settle in in they, they've targeted three guards already who are all guys who are, are good ball handlers and are north and south players, whether it's Cups, Newton, and then, you know, Little, who the, he hasn't committed to Indiana as in the final three. I think he realizes they've got to get better in the backcourt with guys who are more athletic and who are uh, multidimensional players instead of, you know, single-dimensional players. So the roster constrains him right now, uh, but I think that – you know, I'm, I'm not a coach, but if I were, you know, to make a suggestion, I'd say get one more guy in there who can handle the ball, whether it's whether it's Finnessy or Galloway instead of Cop or Stewart uh, to put more pressure on the defense. Because right now they, they, they come out 
sluggish and and they don't put pressure on the defense with that lineup. Yeah, well, you know, and the other thing that that would do, you know, and here's a little preview of inside the numbers, but today Miller Cop is two for two from the field, makes his one three pointer. Uh, Parker Stewart is three of seven, three for six from three. So those two guys, four of seven from downtown on a day where Indiana shot five of 19 from downtown, and I believe they were outscored from the three-point line by 18 points. Is that correct? Michigan made 11, and Indiana lost by 18 points. Well, it might have been a day to get those two guys more shots, and whoever's playing with the second unit is more of a featured score in a lineup that needs scoring. So, you know, that, again, that does seem to make, you know, some logical sense, um, but, you know, we're not we're not coaches, and, you know, Woodson has reasons for why he does things, but, boy, it's really starting to seem like a problem that, if, if for no other reason, you just have to try something because it continues to happen. Um, and just hoping for it to be different, you know, doesn't seem like it's working. I guess the only thing that you could do differently, if you're going to play those guys together, as we've all said, is try to figure out a better way to maximize Cop and Stewart offensively out there. You know, and if you can do that, then maybe it works. But otherwise, it's really just been a big struggle for Indiana at the start of both halves. And it's it's a tough way to win games when you're digging yourself a hole to start out each half. So and, and didn't did Race Thompson take more threes than cop? Race Thompson yeah. took four threes today. Yeah. Yes. And what did he make? One? He I think at one, one point they said on the broadcast he was three well, for twenty three. Hey, making yes. one at wait, making one uh, improved his three point percentage on the year. So that's that's great for yeah. Race. I mean, I understand that's part of Mike Woodson's deal. Of we, I want you to um, be confident. I want you to shoot the ball. I want you to expand your game. But three for 23 seems like enough of a sample size that you'd say occasionally, mm, maybe might back off on that a little bit. Yeah. And when you're wearing the retro 1987 unis, get the ball to number 12. <laughs> He's two for two. He didn't miss. Come on. <laughs> There's magic in that he number in those uniforms. <laughs> yeah. He didn't play much down the stretch, though. He stayed in at the start of the second half, but I don't, I don't think he got he back didn't. in after that, he went out of the game. No, and that's mostly yeah. been the role he's played lately. He hasn't played much after he starts. Right. So, I don't, and it wasn't Galloway's best game either, really. I mean, Durr really gave him – I was surprised they didn't go I – and mean, they did go back to Durr some there in the second half, but – he had some effective moments shooting the ball from outside, but again, he, he wasn't. He doesn't have the foot speed to really even. Uh, yeah, he's, up against Dickinson either. He he's the kind of guy that when you play Michigan, if they're going to play five out, that it's just one of those guys that they're going to play off the floor really, really quickly because he just can't just hang with any sort of ball screen. So. Yeah. Well, you know, he made those two jump shots, so he's now made his last three jumpers from seventeen feet. And like a couple, a couple of possessions later, he got one wide open from three and you kind of heard the assembly hall crowd. Like they wanted him to shoot it. You know, he's like sadly hey, he, become he one of some, our most reliable shooters and he can make them. He made some, yeah, he made some, he, he made some threes at South Florida. I mean, he can shoot that, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather have him shoot it than race in all honesty. Well, so. Yes, this is true. This is true. All right, uh, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's butt whooping at home tonight or today at the hands of Michigan, I will point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from a game most IU fans would just soon forget. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Christian Watford, who is in attendance today. Boy, could this IU roster use a guy with Christian Watford skills and size huh? and ability to shoot. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Rick Bozich and Jay Horry, and we are breaking down Indiana's 80-62 to loss to Michigan. Uh, and it is the top of the second segment, which means that it is time for... Meaningful moments that you might have missed. In a minute, I'm going to go to one from the first half and talk about Xavier Johnson, because I thought... In some ways, he was the other bright spot for Indiana today, and we need to talk about that. But let's talk about the second half because, you know, there was a stretch there in the middle of the second half where, you know, it really kind of felt like a comeback was there for the taking for Indiana if they wanted to take it. You know, they they were playing a little bit better defense. Michigan, you know, was having some empty trips. And Indiana just couldn't capitalize. And there was one, you know, stretch in particular, you know, it's 52-43. You get a stop. You can come back down. You can really cut in more. And Dickinson gets open for a three and hits it. And to Michigan's credit, and this is sometimes what you have to do, you know, on the road to win a game like this, is you get that lead, you got to step on the other team's throat and not give them hope. This is something Indiana has not been able to do on the road, for example. Uh, And Michigan consistently did it. And, you know, the most egregious from Indiana's perspective is when it was 55 to 45. And you'll recall this. Indiana had several chances at the basket and just couldn't capitalize. You know, Race Thompson flies in like he's Tom Pritchard, uh, except that he misses the dunk. <laughs> Trey Trey Galloway, you know, misses a three-pointer, which I actually thought was a good look. I mean, he was open, and if Trey's going to be on the court, he's got to take that shot. He missed it. Uh, and then, you know, so we don't capitalize. We come down the other end. We force a miss, and there's a loose ball rebound that's there for the taking. And Diabite, Diabite, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Musa, yeah. yeah, Musa Diabite, who I thought his hustle today was awesome. He was all over the place, and he just absolutely out hustled everybody to get this rebound with three Hoosiers around. They get it to Caleb Houston, three pointer. It's fifty eight forty five. I tweeted at the time that felt decisive. That to me felt like the dagger, and it just felt like Indiana couldn't recover. Felt like it deflated the arena, deflated everybody, and we were just kind of playing out the string, uh, you know, from there on. Um, you know, Rick, as, as you watched how that second half played out, it was just, you know, Indiana just cause, but you know, you mentioned at the start of the second half, you know, they scored a couple buckets, you know, but the first one was a no, no, yes, 19 foot jumper by Xavier Johnson, a long two. The next one trace was kind of off balance and got bailed out by a foul and made a couple free throws, you know? And so even the buckets they scored early, I'm thinking to myself, it's, that's not really sustainable production. And 
it didn't sustain because we struggled so much offensively. So it just, it felt like the whole second half was like that. It's like, all right, if we can get a big run here, but then we wouldn't capitalize on the moment and Michigan would hit a dagger on the other end. Yeah. I remember that sequence. It looked like they had two or three pretty good chances to, to, to score and didn't get either one. And then, Lost control of the ball, and Michigan came down. As you mentioned, Houston hit that shot from the right corner, and he was very con- – I mean, they, their whole their whole team was confident and relaxed the whole game. I don't think Indiana ever made them uncomfortable uh, in what they were trying to do offensively, ever. And in the Purdue, that was a big difference in the Purdue game. There was more of a bulldog uh, mentality defensively where they were extended a little bit more and engaged a little bit more, and they got into Purdue's guys – and I didn't think that was the case today, whether that was just a letdown from the, the game a couple of days ago or because Michigan's got more athletic players than Purdue has or whatever was the reason. Indiana's defense, which is – Michigan, I just looked, they averaged 1.25 points possession points per possession. That's got to be the most Indiana's given up all year, wow. right, for the whole game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they've held a lot of teams under one point per, per possession this year, even in the Big Ten. Uh, so – I like, you know, to me, it came down to Michigan's athleticism, size, and length was was too much for Indiana to handle defensively. And you know, there aren't that many other teams, if any, in the Big Ten who are as athletic and talented as Michigan is. As I said in the very beginning, uh, there's a reason they were ranked number five. And they started slow. They had some bad losses, but didn't was it North Carolina? They they uh, who, who, they got killed by or, North Carolina. They got killed by North Carolina. Who was the one win they do have that, that was a quality win? They've got one. They had one quality win before today. Uh, but, you know, they, they've got, I mean, those, they've got. San Diego two, State. That was it? Yeah, okay. they beat San Diego um, State at home. That's about it. Okay. Well, I mean, they've got talent. Um, they do. And they haven't put it together yet, but um, that's not a team that I wouldn't be surprised to Michigan to see Michigan go on a run and get back into NCAA tournament uh, uh, conversation at this point. Yeah, and this is a good springboard for it. I mean, you know, Jay, I want to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier. You know, I, I remember I was talking to my wife before the Purdue game, and I was like, you know, I was like, I kind of feel like we're going to win one of the next two. I was like, if we beat Purdue, we're probably, it's going to be such a just like crazy game. It'll probably be hard to come back two days later when Michigan's had two extra days of rest and win. I was like, but if we lose to Purdue... We'll probably have a lot of desperation that we just lost a home game and we'll probably play better. You know, now I offer this. I think there were a lot of signs that pointed to this being a rough day for Indiana. The short turnaround, you know, the the inevitable emotional letdown. Michigan's been playing better. They were going to be the more desperate team. The thing is, for this Indiana program to mature to the next step, it's a game that you take care of anyway. Even if it's sluggish and you don't play well, like you just you find a way to grind out the win or at least play much more competitively than they did today. And I think what's disappointing for Indiana fans is this felt so familiar, not just because it was Michigan kicking our butt, and this is now the next streak that has to end because too many recent Michigan games have felt like this, but it's an Indiana program that just doesn't yet have what it takes. You know, at first we were looking for Indiana to play 40 minutes of basketball, you know, but now to kind of stack wins and really build momentum we're clearly not there yet, you know, and we ran into a buzzsaw today. It doesn't excuse our play, but there were a lot of factors that added up to what we saw on the court today. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, when the last time IU won three straight big 10 games was, was it, it, 2016. It was uh, eh, a little more recent than that. It was the Archie's end of the second 20- year. 
end of the 2019 season. Yeah, yeah. that was he, he, after he won, the 12 out of 13, right? After right. losing 12 out of 13. Yeah. And so one at the end of the 2019 season, won three straight games. And um, yeah, and today was the opportunity to break that streak. Um, yeah, it was tough. You know, they just, man, it's, it's one of those really frustrating performances that we haven't had. I mean, I guess you could, you know, maybe Penn state was frustrating performance this under Woodson. Um, but at, that, at the same time, they still competed their asses off on defense. They still, they still did, still did a really good job on that end of the floor. They just couldn't get points. Um, and today just wasn't that, I mean, they just, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't that they were, you know, forcing Michigan state into tough situations and then having them to have them deal with it, you know? Um, I, I remember, I think it was early in the second half where Trey Galloway got a steal. Um, I think it was right after Houston had just picked up the technical and it was Houston's third foul. And, you know, uh, Xavier missed, missed the two free throws, but we got a bucket after that. And the next possession, I, I believe it was, um, Trey Galloway gets a steal. The only guy back is Houston. He kind of sidesteps him, doesn't really go into him throws up a, a shot at the backboard. It doesn't go in. Michigan gets the rebound. And that just seemed like the point where it's like, oh, okay, well, we're just not going to win this game. I mean, we had a chance. That was a chance right there. If you get Houston a fourth foul, get him out of the game at that point. Um, Dickinson had three fouls. And you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can make something happen here. And it just it just wasn't the case. And then I'm, I'm sure whatever happened after that was Michigan hit probably another wide open three. And then that was probably the ball game. But um, it just – it might it might have been – that might have been actually what – precipitated your decisive tweet jared i i it, it all is a blur of sadness for me so it's kind of hard to <laughs> it's kind of hard to <laughs> kind of hard to see and, I, and i'm sure my, my wife was upstairs like why is jay yelling and banging the, the bar downstairs but um yeah so at that point it was it was all kind of a blur but that seemed like the the big the big the one one and probably only chance i you had in the second half to to get back into it, and it was just squandered away like everything else was today. By the well, way, here's the, some uh, news: how bad the performance was. Indiana dropped from 26 to 33 in Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. Michigan's now number 24 in their defensive efficiency, dropped from 11 to 17. That's a yeah. substantial drop. In by, by far, by far the worst def defensive performance. I mean, just yeah. just didn't just didn't show up on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, look. I, to be clear, everything I said earlier for why you know, what we saw today, there were warning signs of it. I offer none of those up as excuses for what happened. I offer them up merely as a reminder for why, you know, as optimistic as I am about Indiana basketball, people keep asking, what record do you think Indiana is going to finish with? And I keep saying 11-9 in the Big Ten. And I think the thing after the Purdue game, you win a game like that, and you're so awash in the excitement and the enthusiasm and everything that went well, and it's like, hey, we're 5-3, and three. we've got this momentum, like, Things that, you know, you start to dream a little bit like, hey, we're, you know, up here with the with the contenders in the Big Ten, potentially, if we win this game and can we get some momentum? And this, what burns about this game is it's a reminder of where this program is right now, which is we're somewhere between probably the 25th to 35th best team in the country. We're somewhere between the fifth to seventh best team in the Big Ten. And we're capable of stepping up and winning a big game against Purdue and capable of losing at Penn State and capable of no-showing even at home like we did today against Michigan. So, and, and, and obviously all IU fans want the program to move beyond that. But today was just a reminder that we're not there yet. So, you know, it's not, it, there's, 
tons and tons of things that have to get better. Um, and this team did wrong today. It was just a reality check, you know, Thursday night was a, a nice moment to step outside of reality a little bit. And today, you know, with Rob Finnessy going for 20 and having this magical moment that we'll remember forever, this is a game that hopefully we never have to think about again, but it also tells the story of this team as much as the last one did. Um, the other moment I want to mention, uh, and really this is just a segue to talk about the other thing that I thought was a positive today. Um, you know, early in the game, it's 14 to 5, 14 minutes left in the first half. And, you know, it really felt like Indiana was going to lose touch quickly. Um, and there was a really nice play. You know, Miller Cop, you know, uh, someone poked it away. It was either Miller or Xavier Johnson. Uh, Miller Cop lays out to get a loose ball. Uh, he gets it up to Xavier Johnson, who drives and scores, you know, made it 14 to seven. It was just, it was a really nice hustle play by Miller. Um, and he, you know, for everything that he doesn't do defensively and struggles, you know, he's going to give you an honest effort every time he's out there. And he makes hustle plays when they're available. And so I thought that was a good play. Um, but I really say this or bring this up, Rick, to talk about Xavier Johnson, who once again, just like in the Purdue game was essentially a one man show, keeping Indiana in the game. Uh, and the thing I'm starting to notice about him and the starting lineup is he seems to just play at a different speed with a different sense of urgency than those guys. And it's almost like a mismatch. And sometimes, you know, he drives in, but no one else is really moving and he gets in trouble and he's ended up having to kind of force things. And it's almost like when the bench guys get in, it's a little bit more at his speed, you know, because Trey Galloway, you know, forces the issue and you've got more athletes and it's like he's a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, for him today, uh, you know, overall 14 points, six rebounds, six assists, three steals. You know, the thing that I'm starting to notice about him, he only, you know, he only had two turnovers and his turnover rate, by the way, has been much lower in, in games against good competition for Indiana. You know, this is a conference that doesn't have great point guard play. Uh, and as uneven as Xavier Johnson has been, he's probably one of the three, four, five best point guards in the conference. And he's become one of Indiana's, you know, most indispensable players, obviously. But again, today, He's just kind of keeping Indiana in it because while other guys are kind of feeling their way through it or playing sluggish, he just has one speed. And, you know, this this team really needed it. So, you know, he he wasn't great by any means, but we can't keep relying on him to be the reason why we're just barely staying alive when the starting unit is out there. But that's been the case basically the last two games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's the one guy who consistently attacks. He's the one guy who's um, consistently really really aggressive on defense. Uh, he's ultra competitive. Uh, does he do some things that you know aren't optimal? Yeah, he does. I mean, he complains about foul calls too much, and um, he he sometimes doesn't know when to back it down. But I'd rather have you know a guy like that who's going to be forcing the action because if not him late in shot clock situations, there's nobody else who's going to make a play. And when you, as I've said in the early segment, I mean, you've got to have multiple guys on a team who can create their own shots off the dribble. Uh, when Indiana had, had, has had really good teams, they've had that. Whether the last one I can think of was when they had Yogi and or Troy Williams. You've got two guys who can beat you on, you know, off the dribble. That helps a guy like Zeisloff off and Zeisloff's skill set similar to like a Parker Stewart. Um, you, you know, OG Ananobi could beat guys some off the dribble when he was, when he was healthy and, and, and more advanced in, in his freshman year. So, uh, I agree with you. Johnson plays a different game than the rest of those guys. And he's, 
he's uh, I think he takes too much criticism from people uh, because for, for some of the stuff he did and 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 the, and the way he put some of the shots he takes uh, because without him the offense would really uh, bog down. Yeah, Jay, any thoughts on Xavier? I mean, I you know one thing that I've been thinking is you know Trace Jackson Davis overall is obviously the better player. You know. A, but I really wonder, has, has Xavier Johnson become this team's most indispensable player in terms of what the replacement for him would be? Like, I, I try to think about what this team would look like if he missed an extended period of time. And I wonder what Big Ten teams we would beat. And, you know, if Trace missed time, obviously, you know, all these guys are really important, but it feels like there are more ready-made replacements and Indiana would have different things they could do. Like, I feel like that's the importance that Xavier Johnson has developed into for Indiana. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think Xavier's. It's probably our most important player, um, just because the 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 dynamic he brings to the offense, which we literally have nobody else in the roster who can do what he does. Um, you know, and I, man, I, I, you know, we've all been through the ringer with Rob Fennessy. I'm so happy that Rob had the game he had against Purdue, but that's just not the player that Rob is on a consistent basis. I mean, he's had I think five or six games over the last you know, 20 where he's put up an offensive rating of over a hundred. I mean, it's just, it's just not, he's just not the player that you can depend on to come in and lead an offense and be a, be a, be a productive offensive player. It's just not who Rob is. And so, and I don't, I think it's, you know, even though he had an amazing game against Purdue, I, you know, I, I think it's, that's more of an out of body experience than it is like any sort of thing that's going to, <laughs> indicate that Rob's going to be awesome his last, you know, handful of games as a, as an IU player. So um, Xavier brings a huge, a hugely different dynamic to the offense. Um, and, you know, the, his creativity, his um, aggressiveness, and he just creates, he creates different situations for this team that wouldn't exist if he wasn't on the floor. And so, um, it's, it's even with all the frustration about how the offense is right now, um, without Xavier, it's, it's 10 times worse. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's, it's frustrating to see the, the, the criticism that Xavier has gotten through, you know, the different IU fan base channels on Twitter or whatever it might be. Um, hopefully after the Purdue game, that's, that's died down a bit because I think that really illustrated how important he is. Um, to the success of this team. Um, and, I, and, and as you said, I think he's probably the most important player moving forward to uh, to elevate this team's ceiling. Because if, if he yeah. plays at a high level, I think this, this, this team's ceiling is, is, is pretty high. Um, without that, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know if this, without him, I'm, I'm not sure this is a tournament level team. Yeah, you know, and Rick, to me, this really speaks to why this year's team has such a, a hard cap on its ceiling. Because Trace Jackson Davis is, you know, he's a star player go-to scorer who on a really good Indiana team is probably the third option, you know, and or, or the second option at, at, at the most. And Xavier Johnson is a really talented point guard who can be the catalyst for your offense, but if you're relying on him for scoring and consistent production, you're going to have those ups and downs. If you don't have other wings who can kind of smooth that out by scoring consistently. And that's the issue is those are, you know, if, if those are your second and third best players, I think you can be really good, but they're the, 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 the kind of number one and two guys. And that just limits you because Xavier's inconsistent and trace has matchups like today where he's really at a disadvantage. 
Is Trace you know. is Trace Allen Henderson? No, no, he's not at that level because Allen, as a senior, was the number one option, and the best player in the conference. You know, now I think Trace double, double the guy, role the role Trace needs to play is the one Allen played on the '93 team, where he's well. Know, that's, that's my point, right there. But he's not that point. he's not that good of a player, but he needs to be in a role like that. No, my point is like if if you're gonna have well, and and I use not a top four team, but my point is that if if you are going to build a, a championship level roster, which is, you know, Allen is a sophomore, then that's what you want Trace to be. Basically you want to, you want to have, be able to surround him with high level parts that can that can compete for a national championship, not this current iteration of IU basketball. And if he had Allen's, you know, 15 foot jump shot, <laughs> he'd be incredible. <laughs> that's really the one thing missing from his game. Um, all right, let's go through this next segment here quickly with numbers. Cause I almost think there's just one that really tells the story of the game. Uh, this segment sponsored by the power rank where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He writes an incredible March madness guide every year. And if you're uh, you know interested in the NFL playoffs, he's got some great content there. Uh, and the March madness guide, by the way, we will have a special offer for you once March rolls around and we're going to have Ed on for a special episode, uh, you know, to look at the tournament bracket, which hopefully will include Indiana. Um, but if you want to get sports betting advice with a PhD edge, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. It's thepowerrank.com slash AC. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. Um, you know, Rick, numbers wise, you know, I don't know where you want to go, but Michigan going 11 for 17 from three point range and Indiana going five of 19 from three point range and everything that's kind of encompassed in that number to me is what matters. You know, we talked before, you know, race Thompson taking four threes, um, you know, basically second on the team to only Parker Stewart uh, and Stewart and cop only getting seven on a day where they hit four. That's a big part of the reason why Indiana lost Michigan going 11 for 17. You can say like, Oh, this is a bad shooting team that just happened to have a good shooting day. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of random shooting variance in there. But what I saw all day long was Michigan guys wide open, taking shots in rhythm. And teams are going to make more shots when they do that. So it's it's kind of perfect that Indiana got outscored by 18 points from the three-point line, and that was the score of the game, because so much of the actual story of watching this game can be encompassed in that statistic. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the obvious one. I, I'll throw this one in there too, though. Um, fouls. Uh, Michigan finished mm. the second half with six fouls. And a couple of them were garbage fouls late in the game. They really only had three with like about three minutes to go in the half. And to me, that was uh, reflective of the fact that Indiana put no pressure on them uh, attacking them uh, and, and going to the rim. They, they weren't drawing fouls. Uh, Indiana was taking a lot of contested shots. They were settling for a lot of, of shots and they weren't putting pressure on the Michigan defense. And uh, the, that that was reflected in the fact that well they I think they got to the final line what four times in the second half, uh, but they never got in the bonus and that's that's not the way this team has played all year long and I think that they were a little bit uh, Michigan's length and athleticism again uh, that was that's a reflection of that Michigan you know Michigan's got some guys who with well, the two McDonald's All Americans and they got guys who are going to get picked in the first round of the NBA draft they. They don't have a good record, but you know, in terms of if you look at when they play their best, they've got better players than Indiana. They do. Yeah. Jay, any numbers stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get past the three point shooting. I mean, it's they 
they shot the ball so well and and the, the large majority of it were from open looks and it was just you know i just kind of i was trying to try to scroll through the the post-game comments from from trace and, and coach woodson and they both talked about how the defense just broke down um and it was and it was mostly about poor poor close poor uh, doubles on on dickinson just just not executing what their game plan was um and then poor recoveries to shooters. I mean, you go back and watch that Purdue game. IU did an incredible job when they when they brought doubles against either Edie or Williams, closing out on shooters. And just even in even in scramble situations, IU got back to shooters. Uh, you know, take out the first you know four minutes of the second half where Purdue hit you know I think four threes and um, in the first four minutes or whatever it was. But um, IU did a really good job of recovering to shooters and making Purdue work for good shots. That just didn't happen today. I mean, Michigan was just getting open look after open look, um, and they missed. I mean, I can think of three or four wide open threes that could have made this a lot worse. Um, even though it was a, an eighteen point win as it is, um, so it, it there's no good numbers I think that you can point to about how IU played. Um, and you know, you, you got to look at this and say, hey, every team to do one bad game a year. Uh, let's make sure we don't let that happen again. I'll mention this to give you some more context. Uh, and, and it's just the, the vagaries of one game to the next with Finnessy playing great the game before, and then he, he returned to the mean today. But I look at Michigan, you know, with 11 for 17 on threes today when they beat Maryland the last game, they were eight for 20. The game previously, they lost to Illinois. They made one three point shot, one for 10. Uh, they mm-hmm. made threes early in the game. Uh, and they got confident, and they got confident, and they kept making them, and give them credit for making them. And it was just their their day to make them. Indiana didn't play great defense, but Michigan made shots that they generally don't make, and it happens. Yeah, especially when you let them be comfortable. You know, when you get to shoot them open and in rhythm, those shots start looking a lot well, better. They, they made more today than they took against uh, Illinois. They made yeah. eleven. They only took <laughs> they only took ten against Illinois. Crazy. I mean, it's, they, I mean, and it wasn't just, it was Dickinson, it was Houston, it was Williams, it was, mm-hmm. it was a bunch of guys. They, I mean, they just were, they, it was like they were, they came into Assembly Hall and said, you know, you know, we're going to take shots today and we're going to make shots. And, and I, it's so, when you start out making shots, that really, you know, is a factor. And Indiana, what was Indiana? Oh, for five or oh, for six. At one point, I remember, I think I wrote it down. Michigan was five for six and three, and Indiana was oh, for five right yeah. off the bat. I mean, that that set the whole tone for the game right in the first, you know, eight minutes or whatever that was. Yeah. Well, and I was, and I, and sorry, sorry, Jerry. I was, I, and that was one of the things I, you know, I was hoping with a 3 30 start, it's like, you know, they're going to come out motivated. You know, everybody's going to be, the crowd's going to be alive. We're, the building's going to be rocking, you know, coming off a huge win against Purdue. And then that happened. I mean, it was, and, it, and that's, you know, as, as an away team, you come in and make, make a handful of threes to start the game. You're going to take that crowd out of it really quickly. And I don't think I used crowd was ever really able to get back into it after that. Well, they never got it under, they get it under six. They got it no, to six at they, the very start of the second half. Yeah. yeah. I think six was after, after the, after it ballooned to what, six, 16 in the first half. I don't, I don't think it ever got. I think obviously it was eight. It was eight at halftime, and yeah, I mean it was, and then six to start. This, you know, six after the first possession, of the second half. Yeah. Look, whenever there's 20, a game, twenty-nine like to this, thirteen, right? 
at yes. one point. Yep. Yep. And look, whenever there's a game like this, this is an IU show. We're going to come out here and talk about all the bad stuff that IU did. And fair enough, that's the purpose of the show. But for a game like this, you know, as you guys said, you know, there's a world where Indiana plays sluggish, doesn't play well, and Michigan is just kind of okay. And it's a little bit more of a dogfight. Michigan, you know, credit to them because you've got to really come ready to take it to win a game like this in Assembly Hall by 18 points. And so it wasn't all just Indiana being bad, even though Indiana was bad. Like, you have to tip your cap to Michigan. And we may look back on these last two games for Michigan as when they got rolling and didn't stop, you know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, in fairness, like that... Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Rick. Go, go ahead, you go ahead. I was saying, like, that's, at least in my, like, short-term memory, that's that's how I feel about IU, IU versus Michigan matchups, especially in the Archie Miller era, is that, you know, Michigan would come out and just make eight threes in the first in the first half and be like, Oh, this game's over. Like we're down, we're down, you know, 15 points because we, they're making threes and we're not. And, and, and that just, it was kind of like a, just a, a terrible, terrible replay of those, of those games when Michigan started coming out making those threes. And it's like, Oh crap, I've seen this movie before. I don't want to watch the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, they played with more desperation because they're yeah. in a bigger hole. I don't think they're, in the NCAA tournament at this point in most of the projections. And I think that they, I'm sure, emphasize the, the, the fact that if they want to get back into discussion after beating Maryland, you beat Indiana, that's a that's their best win of the year. That that launches them back into the discussion and, and gives them some momentum. So it'll be interesting to watch to see. I'm looking at who they play next. They got Northwestern at home, and then they're at Michigan State next weekend. We'll see how they handle success moving forward because, we, as you know, in this league – uh, the, 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 the worst thing you can do is feel good about yourself after you win a game because you're going to play a good team the next game too, most likely. And that's the thing Indiana has to do next. They, they have to play a Penn State, State team that's already beaten them once this year, a Penn State program that has played them tough repeatedly in Assembly Hall and has a big guy in Herrera, which has given them some, some problems. Indiana was, um, you know, they struggled up there at Penn State to score. And this will be a this will be a game where they're going to have to, uh, you know, match Penn State's physicality on Wednesday night, and they're not going to be able to allow you know one home loss to turn into two home losses because what's after that at Maryland is that who they play the next game? Is that yeah, the next yeah. Third game. Yeah, and I was going to say you know we and I'm sure we'll do a little look ahead, but like I this schedule even though they took a bad loss, not a bad loss, but a loss today, the schedule set up for them to still if they play well, rattle off some wins and this is the time they have to do it. I mean, like if you're, if you want to be a top seven seed in the NCAA tournament or whatever it is, I mean, now's the time you got to rattle off some wins and hopefully this is a wake up call. The irony of course, and you see this across college basketball is by kicking our ass so badly. It's now like kind of less impressive of a win as we tumble down the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Juwan Howard should have, you know, let us foot off the gas the last four minutes. Let us, uh, let us not crater so much on the, uh, on the advanced metrics, but alas, uh, hat tip to Michigan and a lot of questions coming out of this game for Indiana. Uh, coming up here on the Assembly Call in our final segment, we're going to hand out our Game Balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award. That'll two very quick segments, I promise. And then uh, <laughs> we'll talk lingering questions and then look ahead to what's coming up for Indiana. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. <laughs> yes. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. We're nearing 10,000 IU fans on that list. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Rick Bozich and Jay Horry breaking down Indiana's 80-62 to loss. And really probably the best thing about today was uh, the comment someone made earlier in the chat mob that was asking the question, why is Jay Horry calling in from an Apple store? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was very good. That's incredible. Well maybe, done. Jay, maybe instead of game ball, can you just take us on a tour of your man cave down there? Because I think that I think that might actually be more fun. Uh, wow, I'm dead, very envious of the TVs, man. Yeah. It's quite the March Madness setup. So hopefully you'll, you know, hopefully Indiana will be in there. So you'll have some Hoosiers to watch. Um, okay. Game ball. Is there any place to go for the game ball besides Xavier Johnson? I feel like this is a really easy one. A very you know, I unenthusiastic the, Xavier I, Johnson vote I, I, for Gamble. I just looked at the box score and saw something that I'm sure has happened in the past, but I can't remember it. Is not one Indiana player had a plus minus that was a plus? Not one. <laughs> no. Nope. Galloway had true. a zero, and that's on a day when he was 0 for 5 from the field. Uh, so, yeah, it has to be Xavier Johnson because he, uh, even when the game was – out of hand he's down there on the floor risking a separated shoulder trying to get a loose ball and he did have six assists he had more turnovers than he's had recently uh didn't shoot the ball particularly great but i I think he was indiana's best player he most competitive player for sure isn't that interesting though that trey galloway plays 21 minutes or 23 minutes in a game indiana loses by 18 and his plus minus is zero so indiana essentially played him even which leads me to, you know, I posed a question in our private community. Okay, the three most indispensable players on this team right now are Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis, and Race Thompson. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Who's number four? Like, who could Indiana least afford to miss for a stretch? And as I started looking through it, Trey Galloway was the obvious answer to me. I mean, is, is that crazy, or do you guys agree with that? I mean, it goes back to your point of if IU has Trey for the Syracuse game, for the Penn State game, for the the game of Wisconsin, IU probably wins at least two of those, maybe all three of them, um, just because of what he brings uh, and his ability to get stops in the defensive end, 
um, his ability to create turnovers, to make stuff happen on offense with his passing ability, with his, uh, you know, passing vision. Um, you know, obviously there were some times today where he had opportunities to really cut into the lead um, with the missing the wide open three, missing on that, that drive where he uh, was going up against Houston after Houston just got his third foul. Um, obviously not perfect, not, not a finished product, but he brings an element of kind of urgency, I guess I would call it, to the to the team when he's on the floor that I'm not, other than Xavier, I'm not sure anybody else in this team brings. And no one defends yeah, I, the three-point line better. So it's not surprising that we were even plus minus on a day when Michigan did most of their scoring from the three-point line because Trey competes better than anybody to not give up open threes. I would be an advocate of starting Trey Galloway over either Stewart or Cop. Pick whichever one you want because he changes the dynamic of the team. He makes the team more athletic. He makes he gives you a second ball handler or a second creator. And I know that sometimes he drives the baseline and jumps in the air and doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball or throws up some crazy shots and he's not the greatest shooter. But, you know, I think, this, as I've said multiple times now, the skill sets of Stewart Cop are too similar, and I think that would be a better substitution of one for the other. You have the shooter out there, and, and Galloway makes you a better team defensively, and it makes you a, a, a more difficult team to guard offensively because uh, he forces the action. I think he fits better with Xavier Johnson. That's what I think. You know, and the response to that often is, but isn't Trey great at bringing the energy off the bench? Where are you going to get the spark off the bench? It's like, yeah, but this team Don't needs a spark the at the beginning. The the game? <laughs> yeah, this team needs I that energy like, now. I also feel like Trey Galloway wakes up with a spark. Like, he just seems like the guy who doesn't doesn't need caffeine, just wakes, wakes up out of bed, immediately does 85 push-ups, and then just, you know, does 30 curls and is ready to just, you know, take over the day. So, and like yeah, Johnson, I would be supposed to He's competitive. I mean, like he's like Xavier Johnson, and he he he's more competitive. Who is the guy most likely to get in the passing lane and get a deflection and tip a ball and and turn it into easy offense? Uh, you know, uh, off a defensive defensive play. Galloway's got to be near the top of the list, doesn't he? I mean, he's yeah. got to be. Well, and the other thing is offensively. You know, I, I get the the theory that okay, we're going to have Parker and Miller out here. That's going to space the floor, and we're going to get more open looks inside. But that doesn't really happen because there's not a lot of movement, and things just kind of stagnate. But what you saw, you know, and there, there was a, a little stretch of this in the second half, is when Indiana moves and they get Trace the ball on the move is when we get the better looks. And Trey Galloway is much better at facilitating movement because he doesn't stop moving. And that just kind of makes everybody else move. So I'm really starting to think that for this team offensively, it's not as much about spacing. It's about movement um, to get better shots. And, you know, you just you get that more when Trey is out there. I agree. Uh, which is all to uh, say here that now we're going to go to the Hoosier Hustle Award. <laughs> the Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Which I think we just awarded uh, to Trey Galloway with that conversation. But... Uh, the Hoosier Hustle Award is sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney. Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember that prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. And maybe that is what Indiana needs to do to prevent a bad outcome at the beginning of each half is put Trey Galloway in there and let him <laughs> let him be the spark when the team really seems to need it. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it to Race Thompson. I'd say among the okay. starters, he had the best plus and minus. He's the only one that was in single dig- digits of the starters. Uh, and he and he still came in. I think he had, uh, I'm looking at it right now, he had three assists. He had six rebounds. He had nine points. He was competitive out there. It's hard for me to give it to Galloway when he, he didn't have any points or any rebounds. And I know that it's it's a hustle award, but he didn't really contribute much other than his defense. So I, I'll go with Race Thompson. Playing the role of Ryan Phillips on today's show, Rick Bozich. <laughs> Somehow finding a way to give Bryce Dawson the hustle award. <laughs> did, was, did, was Ryan Phillips able to watch the game or was he watching the NFL? I don't know. He was well. He was definitely watching uh, he was, because I was, he getting was all tweeting. Kinds of he was texts. tweeting very, very angry messages about Woodson's coaching, which is yeah, was, which is kind of his go-to. So he he was definitely watching the game. Yeah, he was. He was okay. watching. Um, he he was. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jay, who gets your who's your hustle award? Yeah, man. I uh, man, I looked at it a little bit. You know, I want to I want to shout out Mike Durr. I think he. He came in, made some made some jumpers in the first half when IU's offense was just completely a mess, um, and kind of stabilized things a little bit. Um, but I think race is the right answer. Um, you know, he he put up I think you know nine points, like six rebounds, three assists. He battled hard. He you know he where he worked his butt off. Uh, a lot of it didn't seem like a lot of the defensive breakdowns were his were his problem or were his fault. Um, and so I think you know and. For a, a lack of, uh, you know, not a lot of good options for today, I think I think race is probably the one that gets it. Yeah, I mean, your options really are X race and Trey. Um, I'm I'm perfectly fine with uh, with race getting it. I'll just toss in. It could uh, be another- vacated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, those guys did at least play hard. You know, it's not that's the thing. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's they not, did. Indiana they did. didn't. They played hard. They weren't a total. N- it's not like Indiana no, was a, a no show. show. Like no. Indiana no. played badly today, but they didn't. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I mean, they hustled. Was it one of the announcers that said something? It's like Indiana's hustling, but they weren't. There was just, there was something missing from the focus. Yeah, Dan, like Dan the, the mental. Yeah. The mental edge wasn't there, but it's not that they weren't playing hard. Um, and I think those three guys, especially, you know, it just things. I mean, the other team was more well. athletic. I mean, yeah. it, it, it showed that Michigan was more athletic and I think, Michigan hasn't played great all year, and so people are um, surprised by the result. But that's probably as well as Michigan can play, if I had to guess. That that's yeah. got to be their best game all year because they made shots. Uh, they did turn the ball over a lot, but um, their length and their athleticism just gave Indiana a, a, a big problems. Yeah, and I don't consider this one of those game. A lot of the were one of those games where that happened way too often in the Archie Miller era, where it just looked like the team wasn't ready and didn't show up and and didn't come out and play. Um, I, I don't think that was the case. I mean, Michigan came out and made a ton of shots to start. We missed them. We blew some assignments. They made us pay for it, and then we we're trying to play catch up ball game. I don't think that there was a lack of effort. I think the guys played hard. Um, it's just when you're when you get in a big hole so quickly it's it's incredibly difficult to dig yourself out from especially when you're you know as rick has noted multiple times it's like you're playing against a bunch of dudes who were five-star recruits and who were who are incredibly well thought of and that were ranked in the top 10 preseason i mean these these dudes are incredibly talented they're not just out there to have a good time either i mean they're 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 trying to they have a, they're playing with a lot of urgency and trying to win get their biggest win of the year too 
Yeah, you know, the India just didn't have the edge. You know, it was they played hard enough, but without the focus and without some of the fight, you know, kind of that next level like you had in a Purdue game, it just wasn't going to happen today, and it didn't. So let's talk lingering questions coming out of this. Um, have we seen the last of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? Uh, in the no. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do thirty minutes on that. Let's go. Let's let's, let's move yeah. on to something else. <laughs> I didn't even know until five minutes ago the Buccaneers lost. Huh? 30, yeah. Well, yeah, and they well the Rams tried to give it to him by fumbling a million times, and then yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest lingering question coming out of this is what the hell is Indiana going to do at the start of games and halves? It has to be. You know, I don't. I mean. You know, the look, the bench guys, you know, struggle. Jordan Geronimo is a guy we haven't mentioned much, and that's a problem. Indiana tends to play well when Jordan Geronimo plays better. Uh, you know, I think another lingering question, I'll, I'll toss this one out because we've already talked so much about the starting lineup. We don't have anything new to say. You know, I actually think in an ideal world, as we're talking about, okay, who's going to start, given his talent and the theoretical things that he could bring to the floor, I think if you could put Tamar Bates into the starting lineup with his ability to shoot and do some things and then allow Trey Galloway to still be a guy who comes in off the bench, he would be the other option. The problem is Tamar just hasn't been able to produce, you know, and so he's not in that conversation. And yet he still is a really important guy for this team down the stretch, you know, and somehow, some way, Indiana is going to have to get more production out of him because... You don't have consistent scoring off the bench. He profiles as the guy to do it, but you know he played six minutes, missed his one shot today, and was never able to get into the flow. And this is now a good three, four weeks, maybe more, where he hasn't been able to do that. You know, and Rick, I think that's the other thing that's going to really cap the ceiling of this team is part of the optimism and part of the formula for how this team was going to, you know, kind of do good things this year is hey. By January, February, you know, Tamar Bates kind of grows up a little bit and becomes more consistent, and that just hasn't happened yet. You're right, and you look at Michigan, and Houston played one of his better games today. Uh, you know, I'm trying – Diapite, is that the right way to say it? Diabite, yeah, I think it's Diabite. Diabite, Diabite. Yeah. He played great at the beginning of the game, and Bates is supposed to be and is considered Indiana's best freshman, and he's really kind of – uh, hit a wall here the last three or four weeks. He's had multiple games when he hasn't even made a field goal. And I think he struggled um, in two things. One, understanding what a good shot is and what a what isn't a good shot. And secondly, uh, he struggled in finding ways to contribute other than just scoring. Uh, you know, a lot of guys in high school, um, they can score whenever they want to and they get to college. That's not the case. But there are other there are other ways to impact the game other than just making baskets, and I think Bates. I, I haven't seen enough evidence from Bates that he's figured that part of it out yet. Yeah, you know, and I guess the other thing too, and maybe this is one. Well, Jay, did you have anything on tomorrow? Because there's one other one other topic I want to hit before we move on. Yeah, I mean, well, and tomorrow was uh, high school teammates of Diabete, and so I mean they're obviously familiar with each other. Tomorrow was an incredibly productive high school player at one of the biggest programs in the country at IMG. Um, you know, and Tamar's gone through a lot on and off the court this year. It, it's, you know, who knows, you know, how much the off court stuff is, is dictating how he's, how he's playing right now. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a young kid in this environment the first time. Um, and especially given the performances he had in, in a couple games earlier in the year, 
where he's come in and, you know, scored, you know, 13 points in the first half or what, whatever it was. Um, uh, you know, you hope that he can, he can be a productive player off the bench moving forward. But, you know, sometimes this just happens with freshmen. Yeah. And by the way, we are looking to get the next episode of the Inside Scoop schedule. We haven't recorded in several weeks. We just, the schedules have kind of gotten uh, a little, a little more challenging now that we're into the heart of the season, but we should have another chat with him. Uh, coming up, you know, I guess the last question, Rick, from a lineup perspective, you know, we talk about the starting lineup, you know, for the start of the game, you know, but Mike Woodson also really seems committed to playing the same lineup at the start of the second half um, and not really taking any of the, you know, the data or performance from the first half and informing, you know, what happens at the start of the second half. Do you, do you get, I mean, is that just like a philosophical thing from him that may be unchanging? Um, cause I don't, I mean, that was, I don't, I don't recall, you know, Bob Knight, for example, being like that. I feel like he would, you know, alter starting lineups at the start of games and the, in the half. Um, I'm just, I'm wondering from Woodson's perspective, is that just something that he's going to do? And he kind of wants guys to be in these set roles at the start of games and the start of, of second halves. Uh, cause at times it really feels like it's okay. If we're going to go back to this lineup again, we saw what happened, you know, and then it's more of the same. You know, I think most coaches are that way. I think it, it, most most coaches tend to start the same guys in the second half unless it's some dramatic reason not to. I guess I would say Woodson has shown a little bit of growth in getting away from the, uh, you know, the like the hockey line substitution yeah. thing he's been doing for a long time, where five go out and five come in. At one point, they're playing all subs. Uh, he's gotten away from that. I, I think you know it's still only what uh, eighteen games into his nineteen games into his. Uh, yeah. college career and he's got some NBA habits that he had and I, I maybe he'll change it but um, I tend to think that that most coaches are reluctant to do that and I, I don't know whether it's a, a I think some coaches are reluctant to do it because they figure it might break the spirit of one of the guys who no longer starts or doesn't start the second half but um, it, it seems like he needs to be a little bit more flexible in in, in, in that way of thinking to me Jay, any other lingering questions for you coming out of this before we wrap up here? Yeah, I mean, I just looked at the comments in the chat for the first time in a while, and and a lot of people are saying that Rob should start. And I'm like, I, I don't know what people have seen from Rob that thinks like he's going to bring anything productive to to a lineup that struggles to score out of the gate because uh, ahead I mean, of Stewart or, or I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't understand where that where that's coming from because you you have four years of Rob Tennessee now, you know he's a below 30% three-point shooter. He shoots this season below 50% from the free throw line. Like, he's he's a negative on offense. I mean, he's a, he's a very good defensive player, he, but he's a complete negative on offense. I, I don't know what you're trying to bring with by getting him into the starting lineup. So, um, if, if you want to put Trey in there and see what happens and, and see if Trey's urgency can kind of create some more – create some more kind of – up tempo looks um, to start the game. I'm I'm on board with that. Let's let's give it a whirl. But like I, the the, the Rob fantasy stuff just just I just don't get. I mean we know what Rob is at this point. He's gonna have a good game out of every six, and that's just. I mean I love Rob. I was so happy for him. I was with Jared on the his intro to the post the Purdue post game show where Jared's jumping up and down and hyperventilating and you know it, it's like he's he's you know he's like a dog with his head out the window just drooling down the side of the window like it was great like I, I was I was on board completely agree but just but, but we know what Rob Fennessy is and it, that that's just if that if if Rob Fennessy is the answer I don't know what the question is. Hmm. 
Well said. Um, so looking ahead, we talked about this Wednesday night against Penn State, Saturday at Maryland. Uh, Indiana needs to get these games. You know, you definitely have to win the home one against Penn State. You know, as you look at, you know, road wins, Indiana still has some winnable road games. You know, Maryland has not been good. This Michigan team, you know, killed Maryland at Maryland. You've got road games against Maryland, Northwestern, and Minnesota coming up. And not to say that any of those are easy, but they're all winnable, which means at a minimum, you got to get one. And if you're a team that's going to outperform that 11 and 9 that I'm kind of expecting and get up into that top four or five in the Big Ten, then you're going to have to win at least two of them, you know. But I think, you know, over these next two games, I think if you can if you can go into that Illinois game on February 5th, having won four out of your last five, with one of them being a win over Purdue, this disappointing loss to Michigan mixed in, but you've overall won four out of five and you have that big opportunity at home against Illinois, you know, at that point, you'd be seven and four. I think you'd be feeling pretty good. Um, and, you know, so that's what's at stake. Indiana wasn't able to capitalize on the Purdue win and keep the momentum going today, but they've got two very winnable opportunities to kind of start rebuilding some momentum uh, before the uh, the Illinois game coming up on the uh, on the 5th when we will be in town uh, and then at Switchyard afterward for our live postgame show. So we hope as many of you as possible can join us for that. Um, all right. Uh, last reminder, check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And that brings us to last call. Uh, Rick, why don't you lead us off your concluding thoughts on a very disappointing afternoon at Simon Scott Assembly Hall? Uh, I guess my concluding thought was in some ways this really wasn't surprising. I think think a lot of us um, thought Indiana was primed for a letdown. I think we texted yesterday and said it was a a little bit of an exaggeration, but sort of a trap game uh, in that it was only three days ago that that they had beaten Purdue and emotionally it was going to be tough for them to – um, come back and Michigan was a team that is better than its record and played its absolute best. So um, you give credit to Michigan and, you know, you, you at this point, you know, they, they've got to beat Penn state, which is something that has been difficult for them to do. I failed at it once already this year and they failed at it in the last few years. And I agree. They, they've got to win. They've got to win a minimum of one of those three road games and if they want to kind of give themselves some breathing room and kind of push away from being around, you know, the NCAA bubble talk, they need to win two of them. Uh, and we're talking about Maryland, Northwestern, and Minnesota um, because those are probably what three of their easiest Big Ten road games they have left. What else is Purdue's out there? Michigan State's out there. Uh, Ohio State, Rutgers, Ohio State. Yeah. No, we don't Rutgers. go to the rack this year. They come here. Okay. Okay. So they don't go to Michigan either, right? Hallelujah! Right, <laughs> one and one and done with Michigan. So, yep. yeah, they got to they got to win one of the next three road games, and they they need to really if they've really taken to take the next step forward uh, to separate themselves from what they have been the last couple of years. They need to win two of them. Well, they said. won two road games last year, didn't they? Didn't they beat Iowa and Northwestern last year? I believe you're correct. Yeah, yep. Jay, last call. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything Rick just said. Also, it's 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 BS that this is this was IU's third game in six days. I'm not sure why the Big Ten has to schedule games on on Monday and then a midweek game and then a game on Sunday. So a team's playing three times in six days seems seems a little bit ridiculous. But um, yeah, you you got to you got to uh, you got Penn State coming coming at home, the team that you've already lost to. 
on Wednesday, you got to win that game. And then you got to go to a team, Maryland, who I think is outside the top hundred in the net. I mean, not even a, not even a um, quad one game. You got to go win that game. I mean, you, you, the thing is, and, and I use it repeatedly over the last handful of years is that when you lose games like this, it, you take, you completely remove the benefit of the doubt. You completely really, really remove kind of any kind of, breathing room you have for games like the game at Maryland or the game at Nebraska, or now looking back the game at Penn state. I mean, it, it's, you, you don't have a lot of breathing room to blow those games. If you lose a game to a team like Michigan, who is going to be kind of on the, probably on the, the NCAA bubble at home. So when you lose those games, you got to go make up for it on the road and win a game that you, maybe you shouldn't win or that maybe it was a toss up game on the road. So, you know, if, if they go win two games this week, then it's a completely different conversation next Saturday. And we're a lot more jovial and looking at feeling a lot better about how things are going. Um, so, you know, that's what's in front of them. You got to go do it. By the way, I forgot to mention this earlier. What was that technical foul on Houston? Is that the worst technical uh, he, foul that you've ever seen? Yeah, he was, he was jawing with the ref because, because he thought it was a three pointer. The ref called it. Two. The, he must've used a profanity. He had yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the only thing that. Jeez. Give me yeah, a break. Big Ten refs for you, and they, you, everybody's there to see the Big Ten refs. Come on, Jared, you know this. I'm I am in favor. I've said this before. I'm in favor of the five second grace period after a big dunk or a big three or a big play. Let a guy get a little emotion out or get a little bit of frustration out, especially if you're a ref. Come on, he didn't like <laughs> he didn't really show him up or anything. And from what he mouths, it didn't look like anything that bad. Big Ten officials are they're ridiculous. Yep. They are ridiculous. Um, yeah, I echo what you guys said. Look, um, I think the last two games, you know, in a lot of ways, the last two games have shown us that the program is different in some ways and still the same in others. And that shouldn't be that surprising because this is a transition year from one era, which was not a very good era, you know, to one that we hope is going to be a lot better. And in the Purdue game, we saw a lot of the things that we hope are going to be better. You know, a team that took that rivalry seriously, that just grinded and did whatever it could. And, you know, a player that was flying on the wings of his coach's love and had developed and had this incredible game, you know, and, and all these things. And you break that streak, you know, and, and there was real enthusiasm that came out of that because we'd wanted to see that so much. And so, you know, in that game, we saw a lot of the things that are different. And in today's game, we saw a lot of the things that are the same. And, you know, to expect more in a coach's first season with, you know, basically the same core and then some other guys cobbled together, I think is a little unrealistic. And, you know, what all we expected from this team coming in, beat Purdue, get back to the NCAA tournament. You know, that to me was like the two biggest things everybody, the two biggest goals everybody had. Beat Purdue is done. They're still on track for the NCAA tournament. So I understand the disappointment, and there's a lot to be disappointed about with this game, but this team is still right on track for what we want them to do. And if you're expecting it to be a smooth ride without these ups and downs, I just think you're expecting too much too soon, uh, especially from a coach who's still getting his feet wet in college basketball. So I just say all that to say, like, let's take this, absorb it, be frustrated about it, but let's move on because this team and this program are still right in line for what they need to do in Mike Woodson's first season. Um, and that's, you know, right now that's the most important thing. And hopefully they show up, they got a little bit of time now. Well, I guess not a ton of time cause they play again Wednesday. Um, but some time to regroup Penn state's coming in. 
you know, now if they play like this again and drop that Penn State game, let's have a different conversation. But if they can come out and, you know, beat Penn State, you're right back on track. And, you know, so ultimately, yeah, no, go ahead. uh, And I mean, every team in this league is going to take hits like this. And didn't Michigan State lose at home to Northwestern? Purdue lost at home to Wisconsin. Uh, It's going to happen. And so then what comes up next is how do you respond to that? Do you come back the next game and, you know, get back on track or do you let one loss become two losses or three losses or whatever? And that that's part of the difficulty, not just in the big 10, but in all the really good conferences, there's the other teams are good too. They have good players and uh, they're going to have good nights. Michigan had a great game today. And so you have to regroup and and move forward and forget about it. I mean, I, I think that that's, that's as you meant. Indiana didn't play its best game. Michigan played its best game, and that was the result. It was a it was a one sided loss, and you know you just have to. We'll find out about the maturity of this team to see how they handle it. Couldn't have said it better. That's a good yep. good note to go out on. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of The Assembly Call. Great to have Rick Bozich and Jay Horry here with us. Uh, If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday after the IU-Penn State game. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. <laughs> could, could have used Max today. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. <sighs> All right. Good show. Rick, great to have we, you on here. We didn't get nearly enough, yeah, I enjoyed it. nearly enough like New Albany banter going on in here. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't look at all. How, how ugly were the chat? Was the chat? I didn't look at it much. Uh, I, don't it, I mean, get distracted. it wasn't it wasn't so bad. I think most people are keeping it in perspective. You know, this, this feels like one of those games where and this is what our postgame show is kind of designed to do is everybody wants their blood for about an hour and, you know, to feel frustrated. And then it seemed like everybody kind of calmed down by the end of it, which is um, Right. Which is reasonable. I just thought they were just scrambling the whole game to defend them. They they, they couldn't yeah. stay in front of guys. Yeah, Michigan did a really good job. They got Dickinson is is a good player, man. He's a good passer, and mm-hmm. he doesn't normally shoot like this. He right. If he's going to shoot like that, I mean, like mind. give me a break. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. He said he hit three threes. And he hit two other like step back jumpers at the end of shot clocks where it's like, oh, I use making a little run, and then Dickinson's like hitting a step back with a hand in his face. It's like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And Houston, I mean, is Houston normally that good of a three-point shooter? I mean, he was – He was supposed he to be coming in, too. but he struggled. Yeah. But I think the last couple of games, he's kind of gotten it going. Uh, but, Come back know, and get I mean, him on Wednesday. They're fortunate that Finnessy had the game he had against Purdue. Otherwise, then the, the howling would be – Loud and relentless. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's the thing about Rob, and I think we we all love Rob, but it's just if you if you think that him the game he played against Purdue is how Rob's going to play for any significant portion of time, you're just. just I was sitting there up in the press box next to Doyle, and like in looking at like what is going on? Who is this guy? (laughs) I mean, it's like hitting every three takes, and he's like driving aggressively into like two or three guys, and throwing up shots and they're going in. I mean, he, he was like, I don't, it's like he was, 
he thought he was all of a sudden, you know, Yogi Ferrell or something. He, mm-hmm. he, and then, you know, he didn't do that in the second half until he made the final shot. And then today he went back to the player that he is. I mean, he left, he had a couple of nice looks. He left them both short. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It, and, you know, it just goes back. This is not a perfect roster. It was, it was put together very quickly and we were all very excited about it. I mean, Shit, Jared and I went on and did like a emergency podcast when Xavier committed and and did all that kind of stuff. And we were and again, these are we've gotten some really good additions to the program, some really good players, but this is not a roster yeah. that's been built over a significant yeah. portion of time. But <laughs> not with the hope that Mike Woodson was building a Big Ten champion, with the hopes that he right. was building an NCAA tournament team, which is still what this team is. Right. So right. we had, everybody yeah. just needs to keep it in perspective. That's the key, you know? Yep. Right. But there's going to be ups and some downs, and just it's a long season. I mean, look at Carolina last night. Carolina's got more talent than Indiana, and they got run Jeez. out of the gym by Wake Forest. Yes, they did. I mean, look, look at Louisville. Got, just, Louisville just yeah. falling apart. I mean, like, is is Chris Mack going to survive this year at Louisville? Jeez. I mean, yeah, it's a great question. But look at Carolina has two guards that Indiana desperately wanted to sign: Caleb Love and the R.J. Davis. Yep. And they got uh, Baycott, and they got. Uh, the kid that transferred in from Oklahoma. And I mean, they, they got routed like three or four times this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they got beat by uh, Kentucky by like almost 30. They got beat yeah. by Miami by almost 30. I mean, uh, it's, it is what it is. It is. All right. Well, thanks for being here guys. Thanks All everybody right. in the chat. Thanks for having me. We will right. see you guys on Wednesday. That's a happier show. See you, Rick. See you, Jared. Thanks for having me guys. Yep. See you, everybody. <clears throat> All right. Let's see here. God, that sucked. Yeah, that was that was awful. But it was—I mean, it was like it was all kinds of things. It was a context loss, a schedule loss, a play bad loss, a just happened to run into a buzzsaw loss. There was a lot going on. People don't really well, want to hear that, but that's actually the truth. Well, and you hope that we had all those losses wrapped into one. And so we don't have any, have any, uh, other yeah. of those like schedule, uh, you know, we just get them all out of the way at one time. And then, yes, then you go take care of business against, you know, Penn state and then at Maryland, which is like that. Nobody wants to go to a Maryland. Like I, I went to the, I went to Maryland IU the year Romeo was there at Maryland. Nobody wants to actually go to a game in Maryland. I mean, like that place in the middle of nowhere, that campus, like it's impossible to get to do two from downtown dc like it's it's nobody wants to actually go to a basketball game at maryland so you go in there i mean hey it's 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 you know is what it is it sucks to have that loss but there's a plenty of other opportunities you just have to take advantage of them yep hopefully they will all right man thanks for jumping on no absolutely man thanks for having me um I'll, i'll talk to you soon i'm sure cool sounds good man bye buddy Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.